you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. You know, I just, who knows where you pick those things up? They're little affectations from reading or something like that, but... Every now and then I'll be writing and I'll write something and then someone will read it, editor will look at it, whatever, and they'll say, well, you need to write more like you would talk. I said, I am. <laughs> that is how I right. talk. <laughs> exactly. It's a, you know, it, it, I actually had people say there's Al speak. It isn't only the, the odd things I picked up from literature. It's that I'm always doing neologisms you know i always come up with odd words or odd phrases because this should should exist and not even purposefully not like hey i'm trying to come up with sniglets which is its own kind of thing right. a phenomenon from oh, 30 man. years ago yeah. but just it's i don't know the, the english language is rich and it's this wonderful swiss army knife of yeah. languages where it adopts from everywhere else and i for for how it sounds I remember i was laughing well we, we actually i think i talked about this online but not here I think that it's hilarious to say as a cry of like celebration, Boondinia. Yeah, right. You know? I saw that. And, and and so apparently it really means like Calipigian in Portuguese. And it's really not Boondinia, it's Budonia, um, if I remember right. You know, it's but yeah. and so I, I'm I'm I've not embarrassed myself yet where I said it. Usually it's just between Colleen and I or something <laughs> like that. And you know, one day I'm gonna be at the Portuguese soccer match, and I'm going to be like, why does that guy keep commenting on other people's butts? And yet, it just has the right mouthfeel. Right, you know what I right, mean? It right. like rolls out, woohoo, you know, boondinia. So <laughs> There's a podcast I listen to called Grammar Girl, and she explores mm-hmm. topics and and words and conversation and grammar and all sorts of stuff. Sure. And I remember this one family, she always asks, you know, what are the words? What are the things your family says that nobody else does? You know, oh, and, yeah. and that's love it. And this one lady wrote in and said that their daughter said, Hey, what did we do last day instead of yesterday? And they're okay. like, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. So now that's what they say. Last day or last year. And right, I'm like, exactly. I like that. <laughs> Our family has that. We like some things, and maybe it is oftentimes from kids. At one point, uh, my niece said uh, they were going to be going to Kalamazoo instead of Kalamazoo. And it's as if Kalamazoo makes any kind of sense where it's like, that's the way it should be pronounced. Right. You know what I mean? So Kalamazoo now is just one of those things that every time that we say it, and if anybody overhears us, they're happy to correct it. It's like, no, we know. And in fact, that's. That's a common thing. I am oh. very playful about that kind of thing. And people are always not, well, there are certain people, as you know, that like you can't dangle a mistake in front of them without them oh, pouncing yeah. on it. Oh, yeah. And and so sometimes I will I will do that voluntarily. I want to give them a little grist for the mill, whether it's speaking or in writing. You'll throw something that you know. It's not going to outrage them, but it sure will attract their attention. <laughs> and, yeah, and I know there are lots, you know, in Mensa, there's a lot of grammar Nazis, there are a lot of rules Nazis, you know, everything. Exactly. Which is part of what we talked about before, that black and white mindset. It's either yes. right or wrong. There's no gray. But exactly, uh, I was reading something about the grammar and how a lot of the things people say, well, that's wrong. Well, they're wrong for saying it's wrong because it's really correct. And part <laughs> of that is because 
the grammar rules change over time based on too. common usage. And we talked about that a bit. So there, exactly. I, I've been like, oh, because there are times people will correct something, but it's like, no, that's or they're correcting it because it's the Chicago style, but it's not grammar and grammar is right. separate from style. We talked about that too. Exactly. So that. It's it can be a little bit too stilted. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that you're like, you're, well, that's proper, but that's not how people really talk, you know? Right. And, and in fact, I, I remember I was, I, I was learning German all through high school. You know, my mom and dad both speak German. And so that used to be the secret language they would use around birthdays. <laughs> hey, you know, so, but as I'm learning German, I was finding out that when I'm talking to German speakers, it, it sounded like I was from South Africa to English people where you talk very precisely and do not have any contractions right. or crop endings. And that unless you learn how to slur and use patois and use little swearing or whatever else it might be, you don't sound like a native speaker. You right. sound like a, a school, uh, you know, taught speaker so that's part of it too is right you kind of have to um corrupt it a little bit to sound like not you're lazy it's just that that's how people talk they're yeah. efficient in how they talk they're playful in how they talk that kind of and, thing. and all so. the people that still correct the well ain't it isn't in the dictionary well actually it is oh, <laughs> yes, ain't yeah. is a word now and it is accepted <laughs> yeah. uh and, and i think axe is worse than ain't so Right. You know, actually, Colleen, Colleen and I have discussions about this because she is more of a purist than I. And so I, I really, I am willing to accept that languages change over time. But what I kind of hate is where it's, it really is wrong. And we just come to accept it, I think, out of laziness. And so you right. must have read about, you know, now literally is not that it really is the truth and exactly it literally now is the same as figuratively yes. because they think that literal, it really means like as if it's in a cartoon, I guess that that's and like, wow, it would have been okay if you learned the correct way instead of using the wrong way so badly that now it's just acceptable <laughs> it's, as a substitute. It's and the same people, as in no, school. No. It's the same as in school. Well, yeah. we don't have enough people getting A's. So instead of getting uh, nine or 10 out of 10, you only have to get seven out of 10 to have an A. I mean, Right. We're just re- to accommodate the people that don't want to try harder. That's a yes. whole issue, man. <laughs> Renorming the test, I think. Is, yes. you know, that kind of <laughs> yes. So, okay. Switch, switch topics because I'll sure, forget sure. about this if I don't. I want like two weeks now. Okay. So the Friends reunion is on HBO and it's right. a big deal. I know Gina's excited about it, though she hasn't watched it. Huge TV show and people still love it. Uh, you know, and I saw one of the little clips of the interviews, and it got me thinking. Imagine that. Uh, and the guy, it was a writer or producer, and they kind of asked him, what is the enduring and enduring uh, just success of this show that everybody loves it and you know they get sucked into it? He's like, well, I think what it is, the best comedies on TV, the half-hour comedies, are always you take normal characters – and you make the comedy and the jokes based on them, that they have these divergent personalities that play against each other and you can, you know, get them in the situations and it creates its own comedy. And I was Got like, it. that's pretty intense because when you think about it, I was like, okay, what do we got? We've got Cheers kind of the same thing they were always in okay. the stupid bar but it was right what's woody going to say what's norm going to say before he gets another drink you know what it's always that okay and you go back even to archie bunker you know i can't tell you an exact episode of archie bunker but i could tell you what archie's character is like and exactly. i can and edith and her you know oh archie and meathead and you know all that mm-hmm. so these 
are shows that still people talk about and know, and they've lasted. And I was like, that makes sense to me saying that about friends. It's probably going to be around for 20, 30 more years. Right. And then I went, Oh, click. That's what big bang (laughs) theory was. Exactly. Very distinctive characters. Yes. Their own quirks and how they rub up against each other is part of the comedy. Exactly. And I know a lot of the people we've talked to hate Big Bang. Oh, they make fun of Sheldon. They do this. And I'm like, but that was the comedy. They took it to the extreme and they weren't making fun of people with autism. They weren't making fun of people with any disability or anything. They were making fun of Sheldon. And uh, around here, I know if someone came in, there are times when we are picking on Adam and we know it's because of his autism and he knows he has autism and we're picking (laughs) on him, but it's a family thing and we're laughing. We're not being mean to him and and stuff. We're laughing as a family, the same as they pick on me with my little foibles and forgetfulness. I mean, they're they're talking about getting this huge chain to put on my wallet and my phone so I don't lose them. (laughs) So they don't keep straying. It's the the nutty professor always forgetting stuff. But that's that's what I realized Big Bang Theory is. And it's probably why so many Mensons get upset about it because, well, they're making fun of me because I do that or I'm like that. And, And it's Yes, everybody can be made fun of. Oh, my God. You could do a comedy uh, show with nurses and that because my wife and my mother both are, are in the nursing field. And some of the stories we hear, you laugh your butt off. And, right. it's the, you know, these people are big characters. So I, I think yeah. that is if you look at Big Bang in that same way, I think it changes your mindset on it. And sometimes people that may not have appreciated it understand it. But that's also why everybody else. <laughs> got it and loved it so much, you know? Right. That's, you know, it, I, I'm sure there's like, there's always been characterizations and how much they border on stereotypes is kind of where you start to get, is that mean or not? Is that, you right. know, kind of, kind of overdoing it. And, and I guess, I don't know, I admire uh, that ability to capture a character so well and have them be rich, you know, that there's not just, well, that's the paper cutout character that's like, they're meant to be the gruff cop. And that's all you get out of them instead of finding out, no, they actually also like raise uh, passenger pigeons up on their roof or something <laughs> like that. And so I, I like that kind of quirkiness. I hate, I don't, well, I really don't like it when those things are used for like insult humor. You know what I mean? I know yeah. that's part of it too. Like you said, you know, we, when me and the boys used to get together to play poker, part of the, the whole thing of it was not what's going to happen with the money. It was all the teasing. It was yes. all the, you know, and, and, and so I, I guess I, I, my first impression, whatever first episodes I must have seen of Big Bang Theory, like we talked about this a little bit before, I thought that they were mean. I thought that they were kind of like, well, they're just making fun of instead of fun with. And right. that turned me off to it. But now I am, and now that I've got a bunch under my belt, there really is much more affection of and playing with instead of just being, let's, you know, pin the tail on the donkey again and again and again. Right. Of, and, of, of, and, you know, you, so, you, there's probably a lot of people that have had that friend like Sheldon, the one that's hard to deal with. Absolutely. But he's still your friend and you would still protect them and you're part of the gang. You know, uh, there's one thing that if they were just being mean and making fun of that guy in the hallway, that's the autistic guy and always making fun of him, you know, him and Wallowitz, he, he is as much upset with Wallowitz as Wallowitz gets with him. But they still jump on the plane and fly to, you know, Texas to help Sheldon or something, you know, that kind they, of thing. They, exactly. it's still there down deep down. They all go to the weddings. They all uh, cheer for this, that, the other thing, you know, 
Yeah, again, yeah. I, I, maybe it's my mindset seeing it different. I can definitely see myself and my wife. Oh my God. She'll watch episodes and she'll go, okay. In this episode, you were Raj or in this one, you were Sheldon. She's like, <laughs> I see. She's like, or, or we'll go to Mensa uh, RG or something. And she'll go, Hey, look, there's a guy over there being Wallowitz. <laughs> you know, I see, mean, and, and, and I'm sure that that's part of what it is. Like whenever you get insights into other cultures, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Uh, who have I hung out with most of my life? You know, kind of the the smarter kids in grade school and, and high school, college, I expanded, but there were still, like, when you get with the hard drinking crowd, there's stereotypes of those guys that they go out every kind of like Wednesday right. through Saturday night, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. and, and then you, you learn, well, this is the guy that can't stop talking about cars. This is the guy that's always like, hey, I'm on the prowl for women. And and there's there's, I don't know, base characteristics of people that when you find that out, that's kind of what you can tease them about is because it's so apparent in them that you can like, well, you, you don't have to go that far to take it to the point of absurdity because they're kind of on the edge of it. You know <laughs> what I mean? They're a little obsessed. And and so I, I guess I, I really do. You're right. Many successful shows, especially with ensemble casts, that's exactly what they do is they have enough going on amongst the characters. They're not all nurses that are all the same. When you watch Scrubs, there's absolutely different kinds of people going on there and, and, and how they interact with each other, how they conflict with each other. That's that's a much a basis for the humor. I agree. That's really a good insight. Yeah. 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 It was just an interesting, but you know, yeah. regardless of who likes what, I'm trying to get into Friends. My wife really loves Friends. I've watched okay. most of the first season, and it's not pulling me into the "oh my god, I got to watch more" type thing. Uh, it's enjoyable so far, but I'm, I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, see, I, Colleen and I have—that's one of those shows where we said, "Hey, Friends is not available." Oh boy, like 350 episodes, and just like you, we gave like the first season a try, and. It's funny, but it's not must-see funny. Whatever sweet spot for humor for us, or maybe that's it. I never hung out in bars. I right. don't have – some part of watching it is not only um, getting insight into certain characters. It's that they're familiar with you because, hey, that's really like my brother. That's like my college roommate, whatever right. else it might be. And if it's not, it's like, wow, I, I kind of don't – whatever fish are in this fishbowl – I'm going to go out of the next tank. These guys just don't interest me enough. This gal is not – I don't know. It, it, there are certain things. When we started watching 30 Rock, I, I, I immediately wanted to see more because there were enough quirky characters, enough people I recognized, maybe enough people that I really saw me in them, that then it's of interest to you. Whereas uh, that hanging around the bar, just that the premise, the entire premise, not even the characters themselves, but why are they there? Right. I just well, don't do bar speak. I don't care about, you know what I mean? That's you know why they do all these shows that, are different. It's a lot mm -hmm. like uh, video games. You know, I will look at a video game uh, like the Assassin's Creed that the kids play and okay. they look kind of cool, but then I go to play it and it's like these, you know, 20 key combinations on the controller. I'm like, give me a keyboard and a mouse, you know, and I just can't <laughs> get into it. But the theme of the Assassin and the Templars is cool, but not, right. I'm like, uh, but you give me like the exact same game skinned into some medieval world with dragons and stuff. And I would probably play it longer, even if the mechanics are identical. It, you know, okay. I, it's that theme I enjoy. You know, it's the same as books or 
anything else board games you know exactly so i I have i know there's games that i have done where at first i got onto them it's like okay this is different than how i played before the keyboard combination different whatever but what i always count on is if i play this enough you know you get finger memory your mind acclimates itself to whatever you're doing and when you start doing it that you're not thinking about that anymore but you're just playing and interacting and it becomes more immersive that's kind of a breakthrough point as to now if i'm really into the game that that's part of why is because I really am in the world and I'm not, right. um, I want to, I don't know, jump off this tower and grab something on the way down. But if I don't remember the key press, I'm just going to die. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, right. <laughs> okay. So speaking of games, let's mm-hmm. topics, which we hardly ever do. Um, you mentioned the tabletop simulator. Yes. I'm okay. surprised you haven't looked at this a little more, uh, which I've looked at it, but you know, it's been like, eh, um, and I, have- I, I just, I, I just don't know thing about, you know, there's so many things to learn about that once in a while, and I, I, maybe some part of it is I still had enough gaming with Colleen or with my family yeah. or whatever else it might be, even during COVID. And, and I, I know this is an odd thing. I really like interactive face to face, get the laughter. Yeah. Gaming. I agree. And, Absolutely. And when I've been at like RGs and we were playing cards, somehow the stutteriness of it, of having to wait for the slowest person in the group is the one that slows things down if they're not really paying attention or you can't quip if it's not people are reading the chat and they're not getting it in real time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. there's a lot of frustration that goes with the simulation is not good. It's not enough at all like real life that I was like, oh, I just... I don't love this game so much that I'm going right. to take a step back, three steps back from right. how it could be. Well, But anyway, you had some success with it. You've had some fun yeah. times now. Okay. Well, I know so- several of the RGs that have done virtual, uh, mm-hmm. they do the games through Tabletop Simulator. So right. I had heard of it, but when I started seeing other people at the RGs using it, I'm like, oh, well, maybe there's something there, but I didn't. Well, anyway, Megan's friend came over and – was showing her, and this cracked me up, he was showing her Warhammer 40K, miniatures game. Sure, exactly. That is totally not her type of game at all, but hey, you know, she was willing to do it. Now, that's okay. a whole other discussion. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I went and looked. I, I want to like what you like because I like you. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> so okay. I went to Tabletop Simulator and they have a lot of official games. So they look good. They play good, uh, like Catan and Carcassonne and sure. uh, several others like that. So it's like, okay, um, I could uh, they, I could see playing this if I can't get together with people. You know, like my, right. my cousins down in Dayton, uh, uh, Dan and his family. I may not see them sure. very much, but if they're up for a game of Dominion, we could jump on on an evening. So I'm like, okay, that's of interest. Yeah. Well, this, like a lot of things, is a framework, and it allows uh, modification on your own. So you name a game, and somebody probably has a mod for it to play. And that's how they are doing Warhammer 40K. Now, I know that gets into a gray (laughs) area because Warhammer is still available. You can go to the store and buy it. You can get the miniatures. It is a copyrighted, trademarked property. Exactly. Okay. I'm not probably caring to get into Warhammer, but, you know, I mean, these are kids just out of school, just starting a job. They can't afford to buy packs of $20 miniatures. Exactly. Enough to play, you know, I mean, seriously. So I I get that. I'm, I'm not disparaging that. But cooler is some old games that are out of print that you can play on it. 
and they've been revived, and instead yes. of just fading into history, they still have a life. See, that yeah. is a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, like HeroScape. I don't know if you ever played that one. I did not. No. For a miniatures game, HeroScape was way cool. So imagine warriors from several different universes and worlds and times all coming together to do battle. Okay. Got so it. there were so you revolution- have to find out whether it's like magic versus science or yes. anyway. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah. So okay. there were revolutionary war <laughs> figures. There were World War II paratroopers uh, yeah. and a few things like that. But then they also had the fantasy. They had giants. They had dragons. They had okay. um, werewolves. Uh, they had made up characters just for this, you know, fantasy type. Right. So it was a big mixture. They had spies. They had all sorts of stuff with different yeah, abilities. Yeah. So they had different abilities on each thing. You could do groups or individual. But the coolest, the two things I loved about it the most was they had tiles, hex tiles. So you built a map. It was a 3D map that you would build. And, okay. and the rules were beginner enough that just about anybody could pick it up easily. So ha- we would lay out beautiful maps on the table and go... But the other cool thing, one of the mechanics they had was you'd have your group of six, seven different characters. And the you party, have, exactly. You would have four <laughs> numbered uh, little tokens, one, two, three, and then a blank. So okay. at the beginning of any round or any turn, you would put these on four of your cards. So the other players could see, okay, those four are going to be used this turn. One of them is a fake, is a bluff. Which one is going first? Which one's going last? So it was a new mechanic. So then I would go and my number one would move. And then your number one would move. And then Colin's number one would move. And then my number two would go. But in the meantime, the map has changed by the time I get to two and three. (laughs) So it could be my strategy goes out the window. Or he thought I was going to move my number three first. And he went in and killed them all. (laughs) And they never even got to go. Got it. It was a cool mechanic for that. And but that is on tabletop See, simulator. Okay, so that, that's I I that would be amazingly chaotic, and you would have to have enough people who want to play with. Wow, that you know things can get the rug can get pulled out from under you again and again. You know that that's you know there's always the fog of war. There's always like no matter what plans you make, someone rolls initiative and like you said cuts down your yeah. guys before they even get a chance to get their attacks off or whatever. So that would be frustrating, but it would also be just like wow, I really don't like necessarily games where you make the perfect plan. It's a matter of just playing it out. I yeah. like where there's chaos and there's a little bit that the chance is an element and sometimes big chance of of changing things. You know what right. I mean? So very interesting. Okay, and, and, and I thought it was well balanced. Because, you know, you would think, oh, mm-hmm. a dragon or a giant, and I've got little paratroopers. But the right. paratroopers had other special abilities. They could move. The giants ha- could, couldn't could go on certain terrain because of how big they were type thing. So Exactly. It, it was, a giant in a swamp is not, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. it, they did have rules to help try and balance it. They did do a Marvel set. Um, and it had Captain America and the Hulk and a few others. So Got you can it. mix that That's in. That's where I think I've seen references to it where it wasn't the mixture of everything that they had created dedicated sets of things. And then within that world, there's still such an incredible depth of characters and situations you can put them in, but that they were purists to the various different companies or cities or whatever else it might yeah. be. Okay. And okay. I think what actually really killed it was Wizards bought them and tra- changed it all to be Dungeons and Dragons and and trying to get this to be the miniature game to play 
during okay. you know, your D&D campaign, and it just kind of killed it. Interesting. You know, I wonder how much that happens. I know that when Wizards of the Coast bought Dungeons and Dragons, that they did some alterations to it, and everybody who was used to it being more free form, like all I need is the graph paper and the manuals. I, I make everything up, and even then, boy, we worked our way through all different kinds of the scenarios. You know, yeah. the the uh, my especially my younger brother and his friends did did an entire summer where they did a huge campaign and did like nine of the sub campaigns that lead to this big conclusion and i thought that that was a very good balance between its its uh goals and situations and stuff you want to find yourself in but it was still all of the interactive the dm still can create whatever they want within those scenarios there was still a whole bunch of randomness and chaos and stuff like that instead of being kind of like just set down to shoot and every game is going to be very similar you know so okay yeah Uh, so ice let's see something rift Ice Rift or the Frost Giant Jarl yeah, yeah. and stuff like, you know, I, I bet you I could come up with a whole bunch of those names. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think they've revived that one, actually. I know the. Okay. I know I was going through. Glacial Rift. Glacial Rift. Glacial That's Rift. what it was. <laughs> I was going through a campaign with Tiamat uh, as the final big boss. It was this whole thing. Yeah. They, what they do now, and it's kind of cool. I mean, we, I, I remember getting the modules, thin little booklets that would be one adventure, and then you put yeah. six, seven of them together, you have the whole campaign. Well, now they exactly. just release a hardback with six or seven adventures all put together, and it's one book with the campaign right from the start. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so Tabletop Simulator must have, like, uh, not only fantasy type things, but they've got classics, right? They've got the Games 100. They got Acquire. They got Monopoly. Yeah. They got you know Scrabble, yep. that kind of stuff. Maybe not Scrabble because that's got its own world. But I don't know anything that you can simulate depending on how right. heavy handed the game owners well, are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, a lot of this is in the gray area <laughs> that you can yeah. get the mods and it's not okay. sanctioned. <laughs> yeah, what I would hope. I've always thought this is that. So much of that is advertisement, right? If I play a hundred games of Acquire f- virtually, there really is a desire to get together and like play the real thing with my right. friends. When you're sitting around a table, you're not going to get together and do the, the the virtualized version on a computer. You're going to want to like have the tokens in your hands and stuff like that. So all those sessions yeah. lead to a sale eventually, and maybe lead to sales. And you know, one of the big things they do with games nowadays is the initial game, and then there's all the expansion packs. There's all the add-ons, you know what I mean? So Cards Against Humanity has made, what, a 10, 15-year career out of, you know, the black box, the, you know, whatever, you know, this is box 7A, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. So, and I thought that they were very cool about it. It wasn't just Cards Against Humanity. It was, let's see, Crabs Adjust Humidity. It was, you know what I mean? They started to have all these other silly box names, but they put the work into the funny phrases, and it was an homage and an addition to it wasn't competition with except for sales. Do you know what I mean? They weren't trying to create a whole new gaming system. So I hope, I don't know, the cards against humanity people always seem to be very, very cool about, uh, everybody that does a version of ours, it just cements our brand in the public yeah, consciousness exactly. that much more than if they want to go to the, the sun source of where this all started, the best version come to cards against humanity, not the knockoffs. And you I know think what that's I mean? what most so. <laughs> people, they, most people haven't been as happy with the knockoff uh, third party stuff. Uh, right. So in general, there's not a good vibe with, Hey, 
buy all of this. Don't worry about the, the, the real stuff. So yeah, that's been yeah. good for them. I know with tabletop, there's a couple card games I used to play and there's not many people that play them anymore. So it, that's a good way to revive playing those. Um, I, I mean, I remember I went to some guy's house in Ravenna almost 20 years ago to play this one star Wars card game. Cause he was the okay. only guy in the area I could find that played it. That well, would have a copy of it and know, know yeah. what to do. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I found yeah. him through the online and like, Hey, we should play, you know? So yeah. I, you know, yeah. he moved, he doesn't even live here anymore. And there's, so I could play with somebody in Hawaii. So it's an old card game. I don't feel too bad if I'm going to play that on tabletop. Cause they don't, sell it anymore you know and so i i do have the cards too so it's not like i'm just doing it with this so yeah i i have to share quick stories here you know i i think we mentioned i have often spoken on multiple topics over the course of my my speaking career i went to university of illinois and they had the plato educational computer system and you know programmed uh uh, algorithms for teaching operations or whatever else it might be programming language. And I, uh, they had a great book came out called like the friendly orange glow that okay. was about, and it wasn't just the educational system. It was that they had plasma panels, a number of hardware breakthroughs, and it really was years, decades ahead of its time in terms of precursor to the internet, precursor to social media, all kinds of stuff. So I did a little talk about it and I showed that, you know, some people, they kind of what you were saying when you really love something you kind of don't want it to fade away even if the original creator has died so plato got bought by control data then by you know i mean it had multiple corporate owners and they were using it for educational computer systems but it was an odd mixture between academia and regular stuff so it was great for um like airline simulations you know training people how to be pilots and stuff but it just didn't catch on in the corporate world to where it it took off. It got, you know, lots of money and a firm footing. Having said that, some of the original people that worked on Plato, the creators, the Sysadmin, et cetera, they have Plato running under emulation so that you can log on to Plato just like it used to be. The keyboard, of course, a Plato keyboard was specific with various different keys that were nowhere else. You know what I mean? The, the next button and stuff. Um, but not only did I then talk about it, but I did a live demo of this is what it looked like. And yes, it really is all character based. It's, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't an only an 80 uh, by uh, 20 screen and stuff like 80 by 40. It was a plasma panel. So you had the first pixelated graphics, you know, per pixel graphics and stuff like that. And having said that, what did I do? Man, I used to play games. You know, once once a, a week, overnight, they actually had a whole system where you controlled how much people did play because they were one of the first precursors that Plato showed was people get really addicted to these things. <laughs> they really were like, well, I'm going after my college degree, but, you know, I got to go play some more D&D. I got to go play some more Space Conquest. Just and 20 more they, hours. Just 20 more hours. Honestly, you know what I mean? Where, like, you start, you, I used to go to the what was it called the zoo. It was at the Cyril building, and, and people, that they started to have, like, this kind of green tan because all they saw was <laughs> phosphor screens. They never went outside. And, Better than gamma radiation. <laughs> like that. And, and so, luckily, they had the administrative function that said, you don't do this once a week, but once a week, I would play from 10 at night until six in the morning. And I would, you know, my, my classes weren't until 11. So I could go home and get enough sleep that I wasn't a total zombie the next day. Well, 
as you might imagine, I was like, you know, I never did finish that whole Orthanc adventure. You know, I got all the way to the 10th level, but I never killed the master monster and whatever else it might be. And, and, and I already spoke poorly. Orthanc was really just, they had all kinds of monsters, but in, in D&D, they had three different dungeons where the, the bottom level of 30 was like, here's the worst vampire in the world. Here's the worst lich, etc. So I had to go play some more of those. To, to kind of recapture it, you know what I mean? And even as primitive as it was, I got graph paper and I'm mapping the dungeon and I'm falling down a chute and oh my God, I went from first to fourth level, but I'm still a pud level character. So I really could die if I meet a werewolf. And you know, it was, it really was a recapture of no wonder I loved this. No wonder it had that sense of you get, you get smart about what spells work against what and where things are in the dungeon. And you get like, you know, you'll be walking along and it had it where after you've killed a whole bunch of stuff in the dungeon, it would repopulate when it got low enough. And so you might be far from safety when all of a sudden there were more monsters and your hit points gradually regenerate. But if you keep bumping into things and they all get little slashes at you, then you have to really, okay, now I got to be conservative instead of free swinging like I was a moment ago, because I got a whole bunch of stuff to wade through on the way to the staircase that's going to get me out of it. And I just, it was wonderful, nostalgic flashback stuff, but I could also see the, the game elements that they put in there were so well balanced. You know, the little caricatures of what, you know, a, a dragon looked like. They looked just enough like a dragon instead of being these perfect graphics that they right. have now where it really is animated and wonderful. It was still, wow, this is a level 10 creature, a level six, a level four. And, you know, if I can, I, without, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, of course, to go into this too much, but I really could understand how they were brilliant in the people that first put this together. And like I'm, my point of pride, I guess, is some of my first coding, besides pursuing my computer science degree, was I worked on some of those things. I worked on a maze generator that, you know, when you have a, either a top-down view or a, a 3D view where you're walking forward mm -hmm. through the maze, it's kind of a cool a programming exercise to figure out how to do that, how to do that enough in real time so that it's never choppy, that it is, no matter how uh, quick people press the keys, it kind of keeps up with them. And so it makes a little more immersive experience, even if it's only at the wireframe level. Right. And so I had, boy, I really, you know, that's what, that's how you learn doing these things. It's not just the computer science class exercise of, okay, you run a library and figure out how to both, you know, sort by author as well as title. <laughs> that, no, it's like, man, the next step up is graphics integration. It's, you know, how do you, like, you have a whole stats table and you're going to check it. And, and Plato was really good about the round trip. So much in doing all the time sharing that it did, the round robining that it did, but every single user on the system, hundreds if not thousands, felt like the computer was dedicated to them. There wasn't stutter, there wasn't lag time, you know, as they say on the end now. And just this was like I was there from seventy-seven to eighty-three, and man, they sure didn't have any of those things going on until like I said, 20 years later, yeah. and, you know, there was no World of Warcraft, nowhere near it for a long time in the real world. And so hats off to all the Play-Doh people that I got to know over the course of time with how creative they were, how they kept stretching the bounds of, of the entire industry, what was capable with computers. And it wasn't only to solve like, you know, how are we going to do crop rotation in a way that we're going to feed the world? It was also, you know, I got to make my dogfight simulator work so that it's really authentic. Right, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Really cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> one thing about the, the game versus <clears throat> graphics, I will still go play old games because I can imagine it in my head. And that's what yes. I always did with D&D &D and all that. But 
I, I, my kids, they'll say, oh, that game sucks. I'm like, what do you mean? This is a fun game. Well, look at those graphics. Okay, wait. Graphics are separate from game. You know, uh, right, and, right. but to them, if it doesn't have the right graphics, well, the game sucks and they don't want to play it or whatever. So yeah. they can play a really crappy game that it's just no it looks fun, good. But yeah, it looks it good. <laughs> you know, and that's why that when Cyberpunk 2077 came out, people were getting so upset because it was stuttering. The graphics were breaking, uh, but uh, you know you hear other people like, but the game is so much fun, and they're like, right. yeah, but it sucks. And then, so it's I, you know, it, a little frustrating, yeah. but and <laughs> and that also made me think, reminded me, uh, tabletop simulator, you can create your own stuff. It does have uh, the ability to pull cards in, but it has a scripting language, so you can create See rules that. and stuff. That is absolutely a point of having an author mode, the extensibility so people can say, man, you know, and I mean, not only like for new things, but like just if you had house rules yeah. for Monopoly and you want to be able to say when you land on free parking, you get $500. Right. It's like, that's no that the rules. Yeah. But, yeah. And, <laughs> and better yet, I have another uh, program card creator that I've been mm -hmm. working on a couple card games. I may have mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, dabbling around with some ideas and messing around, but I always... It's really cool because you can export it to a PDF, print it out, and then you slip it into sleeves and you can actually yeah. play. Yeah. Well, they've added to the card creator that it saves the files in so it's compatible with Tabletop Simulator. So the other day, I literally pulled in one of the games I created into Tabletop Simulator and I was seeing the cards and I could... So I could send you the files and we could load it up and play the card game I created uh, just to test it or whatever. Honestly, I love that there are some people that do that, that they're not just trying to create the game. They're creating the environment where you can create any game. Yeah. And then when they release that, you know, that I love the toolsmiths. I, in fact, I kind of have always been one of those. I've always liked knowing, right. like, whatever, whatever I'm going through to get this done and it's hard, if I find a way to capture two-thirds of the work, it'll encourage everybody else to use this cool modding right. environment and, and we'll get that many more games that I'd like to play and just take some of the, you know, there, there's a leveraging of whatever pain you've been through. Why don't you save some other people some pain? So when you're going through the, the wilderness, like mark your trail so those people, Kit Carson-wise, would be able to do this after you. <laughs> I have that, some instinct of that deep in me. Like, that's why I draw maps. When I used to be in college and people would look over at me playing my Play-Doh games and they'd see my maps and be like, man, where'd you get those? Well, you know, I, I put the work in, I drew these, and I'm like, oh, can I right. buy you a piece of pizza? You know, right, can you take right. those over to the coffee? And like, <laughs> so. I, I have found through the years, I enjoy the creating oh, about as much as I do playing and enjoying a game. You know, it, yes. I, I, I will, I've been playing around with Python and I found a mm -hmm. cool book that lets, it, it has it all, it, it brings me back to the old Commodore 64 days. So it's a hardback book, really nice looking. It talks about uh, some of the classic games like Pong and Space Invaders, but then right. it has a listing that you can type in that is like a creation of Space Invaders or uh, Centipede. Yes. And I'm like, wow, I get to sit here and like, type this in just like it's the 80s again.
but it's a great I way used to, to do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the old Apple magazines, they actually yes. had like the last third of the magazine was type all this in and you two will have a, a game of Battleship or something yeah. like that. And how cool uh, is that? A $3 <laughs> magazine. I've got five games. I just got to spend the next 75 hours typing. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually. Floppies with the code on it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it was more like 20 hours of typing and 50 hours of figuring out where you forgot the period or the comma. <laughs> That's right. Because yeah, Basic and others were so unforgettable giving exactly oh God, okay. yes. <laughs> so um speaking of here we go again uh creating <laughs> and programming and all that mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. that the whole uh um, Apple Worldwide Conference is next week which right the, the Worldwide Developers Conference you know Apple stopped Macworld stopped because Apple stopped going to it that used to be the big festival where every vendor would exhibit its stuff and that kind of thing it's time has passed you no longer buy software in boxes right. you no longer like it, it, you know the internet has changed everything but I really used to love that oh, you know yeah. three four day immersion of I can walk down the aisles and get a, a, a whole the zeitgeist of what's going on, you know, at, at, in, in the Apple world, the Macintosh world, it was fantastic. And you meet all the people. You meet all the yeah. programmers and the salespeople and everybody that's behind these various different things. And I, I used to, I, I would cover it for Mac Chicago and Digital Chicago. So then I had like press access to various different things. And that was cool because you actually did interviews and you got to like talk to Bill Niffenegger, who was one of the best digital artists, and Kai Krauss, who developed the software that nowadays you see everywhere about how. How to make a simulated tree that really looks like a tree. He figured Robert out Russ. a fractal element <laughs> like that. Exactly. And I guess, yeah, you could do it more quickly. <laughs> but so, so having said that, the um, Worldwide Development Conference is where Apple does a lot of its product announcements now. It talks about its latest OSs. And as you know, there's Mac OS and, and Watch OS and iOS for iPhones and TV OS. So they go through. Here's the latest things. It's been a year. So a lot of cool stuff is coming in the next version. So I love that. And they often do then also hardware announcements because, you know, the Apple has always had very good, um, uh, what would you know, kind of linkage between the hardware and the software that it exploits their own stuff very, very well. And so when they announced the M1 Max last year, I was champing at the bit to get one. And I finally got one in December. You know, usually it's in May or June is the Worldwide Development Conference. Almost always June, actually. But six months later, they actually had Apple Silicon rolling out. They had the new Max. And it was like, man, this really is 30% faster. It's the fastest personal computer you can buy. I want the fastest personal <laughs> computer that you can buy. And, and for reasonable money one of the uh, also the joys of pcs as we often talk about is man the amount of power that you get for the amount of money that you spend is just unlike anything else in the world and it keeps getting better and it keeps prices keep coming down so we're just on this wonderful forever riding this wave of innovation in the computer world so having said that the Worldwide Developer Conference is cool because they have like the keynotes, uh, you know, is always the big reveal at a high level. And then they have hundreds of breakout sessions for if you're going to be doing AI work, if you're going to be doing game work, if you're going to be doing, you know, uh, corporate crypto work and whatever else it might be. And I just... I spend that week with my full immersion. I, you know, there's, there's any number of kind of like going to any number of other conferences. Wow. In this hour, there's four sessions that I want to go to. Well, thank God they're recording them. They've made it, they're making them all available nice. so that, and, and so it isn't only that week. I end up often staying up late at night and, and like I'll, I'll in my mind go, okay, today I'm in database mode let's see what they're doing and and database is no longer the way to look at it data has become its own world of it's not databases it's now you know the 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 world of freeform data the world of rich media and how do you 
make it so that that's a controllable thing in in the world of uh, I need to have a, a picture database and you got to have keywords associated with but then can you automate that so like we think this is enough of a bridge that we're going to call it bridge and then the more you get people to um, identify it as a bridge you get those guesses verified and so it's not only the actuality of it it's all the cool cutting edge things they're continually doing and i just i just man there's nothing like seeing smart people strutting their sassy stuff and doing breakthrough level you know we're gonna we're gonna do the best fitness app out there because we're gonna have motion capture we're gonna teach you how to be a better golfer because they'll be able to correct your swing oh, like yeah, by having your iphone look at. cool oh, man how come you with a little with an iphone this Little handhold, uh, handheld is got all this computing power of what, you know, took us to the moon, you know, 40 right. years ago and stuff. And that they find all these ways to apply it to, we're going to teach you languages. We're going to do all the right things for, um, handy capable people so that no matter where you've got sight or sound or other things, they found ways to compensate for that. And, and everything about health, there's a big health initiative. And so me was like, well, what can I do about my being pre-diabetic? What can I do about I'm an older guy? How about, you know, my I had atrial fibrillation. Now my watch can check to see if I'm going into like a weird right. heart stutter. Man, it's just, uh, it's magic. It's that technology as, indistinguishable for magic. It's I wonderful. know it's been talked about, but as soon as the Apple Watch or the Fitbit can actually check your blood sugar, I'm I'm upgrading my watch. I I need a new one. Yes. This one only lasts like a day and a half on the battery. So on the charge, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but I know it's been talked about that they've been talking about being able to cl- check the blood glucose. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be paranoid, but if I can check, you know, the oxygen level and my heart rate and my blood pressure and my right. blood sugar, I I mean, those right. are all the yeah. big ones. Absolutely. And it easily in real time, you yeah. know, what's coming, you know what I mean? Instead of having to do finger sticks and stuff yeah. like that. So it'll be, it'll be really nice. One of the things I've noticed about, like, I have always loved going to things where I put all the rest of the world aside. And what I'm here to do is learn for four days. You know, my mind yeah. just loves kind of just jumping into the deep end of the pool and resorbing all that I can and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm not even in the fields of like, uh, I'm not a big graphic artist. I, we always laugh about. It. I can do like stick figures. I had, I don't have anywhere near the feel for how to capture something in yeah. color and motion and all that kind of stuff. And yet, I love going to see those things demonstrated because it's just so cool that they really found a way to make, um, Pixar level things. You know, that looks like human hair. It moves with the wind like human hair. You know, well, maybe not applying to me, but you know what I'm trying to say. And, and that's and, a really great example of <laughs> not just uh, an artist doing that, but you have a tech programmer because they, they took both. You know, it wasn't right. just somebody drawing cell by cell or close to it like the old Bugs Bunny. It's, that's it's, right. Here's the graphic, but we want it to be populate and we want it to move. And so you got a programmer. But along with that, they probably had to talk to medical people or biologists or, you know, I mean, there's multiple fields that they probably. That's exactly have. right. They will go into that. They'll talk about, you know, in order to get this, like they call it the uncanny valley, yeah. right? Where the more you try to simulate a human being, the closer you get without being just right, it's more unnerving to people <laughs> because then it looks kind of ghoulish. It looks kind of unnatural and it, it's more off-putting than if you just did a caricature and let it be a puppet, let it be a, right. a cartoon, that kind of thing. Well, in order to cross that uncanny valley, what do you have to do? You have to learn everything about how a human body works, about how the skin has layers and that light penetrates differently in the layers. And so if 
you're trying to get light falling on a human being, you can't have it look like a zombie. It has to be that the translucency right. is correct. How do eyes reflect? How do they move? How do they track? That it all has to be like a human being would do it. And so you have to learn all those amazing skeletal mechanics and how muscles work and how hair moves and, and you know just that when a person exhales they don't just like exhale from their mouth their whole body is involved right. and, and it's just the coolest thing just to see how um they talk about that the physics models that are behind this guy just went surfing and in order to do that you had to learn all about water and how water interacts with a surfboard and water interacts with itself. And the greater that you get the number of water particles interacting in a real way, the more it looks real. But the computational load just explodes. So you end up having server farms that are going to do every single frame of an animation right. that's going to show Tarzan swinging through the jungle. If all those leaves are moving and all those vines are stretching, there's an amazing amount they have to do when you and, make it real you know and what i, I mean love, so <laughs> and we've talked about uh this before like people's psychology and and the marketing manipulating people because of how they think in that the same with some of the graphics i've heard a few things and they like look if we went detailed down to the hair and made, it would it would look weird but we can make people think it looks like a million strands of hair if we did this this and this and they come close that fools us into thinking it's more than it is sometimes. Absolutely. There is an entire science that's based on persistence of vision and what human beings take in. Like when right. they talk about first the retina display, that it really had the same resolution as your eye and that you don't need to go deeper than that. But in a lot of ways, you can also back off from that because compression algorithms are based on what's the way that we can impart enough information so that we give it the, uh, the persistence of vision, the benefit of the doubt, if you will, right. that it isn't jarringly wrong. There's no, we, you know, my eyes don't work. Um, smoothly, they, they saccade, they, they jump in little passages. And so as long as you can get in sync with that, like 20 frames per second or whatever it is for various different video games, you don't need to go anymore with the moss doesn't have to be more perfect on the wall of this dungeon while you're fighting a creature in the dungeon <laughs> than this many pixels because you're too busy worrying about the monster and fending off his attack. Right. You're not looking around and going, wow, that light source isn't exactly reflect. You know what I mean? Right. So they're, they, boy, they're, they're very, very smart. They've had to be in terms of efficiency and bringing a game to market, the amount of time that it would take to do all of those. This needs to be really fine in its, and this could be coarse because there's trade-offs in all of right. those various different things you're doing. And I, man, I, I love learning that kind of stuff, that there really are decisions behind it. And that like when they show, well, here's where we did it here. It's like, you're right. That looks just fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that this is 60 times the computational intensity because like while you're walking down the street, what's a human being doing? They're looking at new. They're not looking at each individual leaf on a tree. Right. But if they the tree moves wrong, they'll notice it. That looks like a robot tree. You know what I mean? <laughs> a robot tree. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you were uh, uh, doing something you don't normally do and upgrading to an M2 already. Uh, you know, so that's what i what i alluded to earlier of going to the worldwide developer conference last year and hearing about the m1 and just starting to drool and pant from that you know they're gonna so i've heard it called both the m1x and the m2 that is the next generation of apple silicon you know they've gotten away from the intel standard and that it's got this many more cores and this many more uh, dedicated on the chip type things it's got just i think something incredible like 32 billion transistors on a Jesus. chip or something and that you know the the i i have 
have no idea in context what that means compared to what is the original 8080. <laughs> right. It's, it's now, beyond normal have, comprehension. Oh, <laughs> you know, that kind of, but I know that when they show what it can do, that you really can have like especially rich media so much of the world now is how do you capture photos and then do anything you want to them how do you have a camera that's good enough so you capture a great photo in the first place so that it's in um and and music same thing they've always had compression algorithms but now we're getting to if you can do near lossless music in real time that's been the grail all along you you, you file size stops mattering uh, transmission speed and time stops mattering and so but there's still something to be gained from we want to understand music so thoroughly that we can uh, uh, recreate it beautifully, no matter it tunes itself to what speakers you have, what what monitor you might have, that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of, I know they're going to talk about, well, here's the next one. Like, for instance, one of the things I had to do when I got the M1 was I stepped back in memory. I always max the memory out of my system because that's the cheapest way to get a lot more power right. for multiple apps and that kind of stuff. And I think I had you know, 32 in my previous Mac mini and uh, that gig. And now I had to go back to eight. That's what came kind of on the board with the new M1. Well, as you might imagine, all of the Mac artists were like, this just isn't enough. We need to. And so now it's going to be like eight or 16 or 32. And so for the new speed and the new amount of memory and the new better SSD, and I'm going to be able to get another one of these for like $1,200, $1,500 tricked out. That just seems like it's, it's money. It's real money. $1,500 is not to be sneezed at. And yet I can take that huge step forward. I, right. I really am. I've, I've usually not the guy that goes with state of the art because as we, as we kind of talked about a couple of times, while I've been using my M1, I've had crashes that are very uncharacteristic of the Mac and it's irritating. You know, you're in yeah. the middle of three different things going on and then something seizes up. <laughs> and and so they they've cured that with OS releases over the course of these last December to now six months. But am I going to step onto that painful treadmill once again when I get my new M2? That they're going to have to right. work out the bugs, no matter what they've been able to figure out in the labs. When you get into the real world and what crazy <laughs> stuff Al has going on in his machine, so and emulation. You know, I use Parallels to do Windows emulation. Well, luckily. Microsoft came out with a Windows emulation that would work on the M2 because emulation is really based a lot on the underlying hardware. And so things have been stuttery occasionally there. And you know, so not only am I doing my browser testing of various different things, but like, hey, if I want to play Civilization and Civilization seizes up, oh, God, I didn't, I forgot to do a save. I've just lost 45 minutes of play. That's right. real, that's, that's real money. You know? Empire building. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so they're going to announce it and I'm going to learn all about it. Nice. And I know I'm going to be terribly tempted, but then that's one of those things. Like if I'm, if I'm making any money in the market, if I, if, you know, Colleen and I are doing well with, we've been frugal because of COVID that sure seems like a reasonable place to put 1500 bucks. And then like I laughed about, I'll turn this one into a server. So I'm still right. experimenting with the old one. And, and I, I kind of like, I, boy, my, my Mac mini before this, it really is such a workhorse that I kind of don't want to put him out to pasture to stay with the horse analogy. Yeah. I just kind of want to let this perfect thing keep running. And yet there's something I always like being enough on the cutting edge that when people ask me about things, oh yeah, I bumped into that. And what you have to do is, you know, make sure you get the latest version of Tech Tool Pro because it's the one that's updated for everything about SSDs and it will handle all your disk problems. Whereas the previous one, it only handles like the volume tables it doesn't handle all of you know what i mean it, yeah. it's i like being that i don't i'll get this boy this is kind of it's funny how this sometimes ties together i 
like being the guy that when they figured it out, I'm happy to share with others so that we can leverage my pain into other <laughs> people not having to go through it as well. And so that's kind of why I've always tried to be relatively current with my technology is that when people ask me, you know, do you have an experience with this Mac? Like the Mac mini is cool because you attach existing components to it. You don't have to upgrade your entire system and spend $3,000 instead. Well, sometimes it might be glitching. Yeah, the USB C slash three is slightly different. So you might not be able to attach your existing keyboard and mouse unless you get an adapter. And so it's $29 worth of pain. It's not, you have to throw it away, right. but now you got a little more of a sea of cables hanging out the back well, of your machine. I, I and that's not say, elegant. <laughs> I, I remember when I got my 486, uh, I think I paid about a thousand twelve hundred for it. So, I mean, the prices yeah. have stayed consistent. It seems um, exactly. But I remember them saying at the time, oh, you'll be able to upgrade this forever. And that was the big thing at the time, upgrade it forever. Well, okay, yes, you can. But once you upgrade the motherboard and the CPU and the memory and the hard drive, you just got a new machine. That's not upgrading any longer. That's right. <laughs> one, of the, one of the unjoys is the Macs are quite closed in comparison. You know, when yeah. I ordered the Mac, I had to order with how I wanted. And it used to be you could actually do your own. You could add memory. You could substitute hard drives and stuff like that. Not for these new guys. It might be that they will um, uh, retreat to it being a more open machine. Because one of the things they're trying to do with these is have them be countless Mac minis on server racks that are actually running server farms. Well, those guys do want to be able to do not just buy a new raft of Mac minis, but I'm going to put some new hard drives in them. And those are only 120 bucks instead of a new thousand dollar thing. So depending on what market they're catering to, it really might be that we'll see openness again. But right now for the first one, they so much wanted it to be a controlled environment because we're showing off our big thing. And we don't want someone to like and, put, jam something that doesn't work in there and then complain about Apple. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, I, it's pros and cons, the PC versus the Apple. You know, one's sure. much more open, but then everyone complains if something doesn't work or doesn't go. I'm like, but right. that's because you have the pro of choosing from a thousand different video cards with a thousand different hard drives. and 10 or 20 different CPUs and different memory, and you've got 3,000 programs of anything to choose from. Well, exactly. Microsoft isn't responsible for some of the bad programs. I've tried to explain this to people, <laughs> that if you put a bad program on there, it may crash Windows, but that doesn't mean it's Microsoft's fault. That could just be bad right. programming on their part. Whereas the Apple, they've gone a different direction where they limit your choices, but they, they make the user experience uh, much better. Uh, and I think that's why so many people flock towards it. You know, I mean, if, if my mother wanted something else, I'd probably go to get her an apple because she's not going to have as many choices for stuff. You know, I, I, I really have ever since I became a consultant and I was worried about what's the value of my time as compared to my hobbyist goofing off time. That's why I've much more embraced in many ways, the Macintosh world, because it just works. Right. It really does work. It really integrates better, all that kind of stuff. And, and the productivity boost that it gave me and stuff like that, I welcomed. However, having said that, there really have been times when it's like, wow, you know, I'm envious whenever I pop open PC world instead of Mac world, they really do have 50 word processors instead of right. three. They, and, and all that, has shifted as we talked about a little bit because of the browser world but just the world of now that the mac's been around for a long time it's got a great ecosystem of those things it's still not as much anywhere near as much as the pc but it's less wild and woolly and so the fact that they've held people to programming standards 
not only for like it's it's if you will the modern parallel is uh, android phones versus iphones right. that they're so much more available but there's all kinds of apps that um don't work quite right or they might actually have malicious things built in but because the android fo- store doesn't check for those kinds right. of things you're you're kind of more easily um, malwared or or virus or whatever else it might be and that's not meant to be a scare tactic but it is kind of reality when right. a week doesn't go by i don't read about be careful about this folks make sure that your malware sniffer is upgraded constantly because there's continual attacks coming out of and, the balls you know what and, I mean? I, and <laughs> for some reason people don't seem to realize that on the androids and you know i get yeah. emails every now and then from certain people and like hey i think you put an app on there that's reading through your contact list and sending stuff out they're like well right. i don't i haven't put anything on there just this free flashlight app <laughs> See, well, there you go <laughs> exactly uh, but <laughs> the other cool thing is like what we were talking earlier with tabletop simulator you know back in the day if you had a mac you you could do things with macs and pcs were separate and but like tabletop simulator if we both we're running it, we could still connect and play the, against each both. other. That's and right. things like a GOG, good, good old games, they uh, have those now that uh, when you uh, – have you been to GOG? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I have probably okay. 30 games bought from them yeah. over the course of – 30? Yeah. Oh, you're slacking there, Hal. I can only give myself like that late at night gaming so thing because time. otherwise I'll just fall down the addiction tunnel. Right. I don't want to do that. But the, the cool thing is – I can buy a game and run it on my PC, but you could buy it and run it on your uh, Mac. And exactly they even right. have a lot of them that run on Linux now too. So, yes. you know, the, that world is definitely, it's more about what you want to do and not so much the uh, uh, system you have. And that's great. Yeah. The, the, over the course of time, you know, when I mentioned earlier about Plato emulation, if you will, emulation has become such an incredible, powerful thing that most people don't realize what incredible benefit it's been to the world. It's not only being able to emulate past versions of Windows or Macintosh and so forth, it's being able to do when you do development that they actually yeah. have figured out, you know, here's the various different um, foundation classes that if you compile with this for Macintosh versus this for Windows, you get like a, a lookalike, you can get 98% of your project where it absolutely is the same and whatever those little differences are still with exact screen placement, exact font use, exact um, uh, being aware of the ports on your machine and how much you can talk to them and query them to find out how to configure yourself. It It's why things can come out from multi-platform so relatively quickly and not need you know right. another half year of tuning <laughs> to be able to, to port it to another environment. It's really amazing what they can do nowadays. And, you know, and so. that's one area that Apple has opened up. I know five, eight, whatever years ago, I was looking into mobile development a bit, playing around with it, never did anything serious. But it was very difficult to create one code base and put it on Android and on Apple. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at the time, you also had to think Palm and BlackBerry, you know. That's right, right. Uh, But now Apple's opened that up because to do that, you had to have a Mac, you had to run – uh, things on the Mac to put it up into the store and they've opened that. So you could have a PC and have an account and put things up that'll go in the Apple store, iTunes store right. for mobile. So I like that, that they've done that and opened it, the world up a little bit. Yeah. There. This is a, this is a very, uh, deep geek thing to talk about one of the ways in which you know that's our next t-shirt deep geek (laughs) deep geek (laughs) well when you code 
you're you're aware that there's always new things being added. You know what I mean? And so you take advantage of, hey, this is a better way to handle sound or data or whatever else it might be. But also when you're coding to be able to handle that, I want my app to be able to be installed on every single iPhone that's still out there. Right. Well, there's six generations of technology that have been supported over the course of time. Apple has the emulators that let you take your app and run it in each of those different environments. And then when you see what breaks, you're like, Oh my God, that's right. Three versions ago, we didn't have, uh, cameras more than this resolution right. or they didn't do this. And so I can't uh, assume that I'm going to have like everything about the hardware and the software and the power of it. And you get a real appreciation for the technological leaps and bounds that it's taken where you say, man, that, that phone was only three years ago. And yet I can't fully, unless I change something here to like check to see what phone I have and then do a different thing, there's overhead that comes to me. I don't want the user to ever have to have something break because of that, but I have to do some work to keep up with some people hold onto their phones for three years. I do. And, and I, you know what I mean? It's like, you really get a feel for how much we keep on advancing by sometimes having to take steps back and going, wow, that, that really is a long, not a long time ago, but it's generations right. of code ago and I still have to account for it. So it gave me a real appreciation for that, man. <laughs> I, I, I know uh, there have been a few times uh, I've had somebody complain, well, I can't run this because Microsoft won't let me. Well, what are you trying to run? Well, that's from 95. That's why you can't run that right. anymore. It's, it's Arkanoid. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean? Come on. But it's funny because I've had a few smarmy uh, Apple people go, well, I can run stuff from way back. Apple supports it forever. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Things change too much. And I've got right. an iPad sitting here that has got a couple apps on it, but I can't put anything on it. I can't even run the old stuff on it anymore. It won't even let me. So, right. uh, and it's not disparaging towards Apple. It's part of technology, but it's the users that go, well, we're better because we can run it forever. No, it's not true. <laughs> you can't run it forever. <laughs> One of the things I'll also, I'll give a shout out. I love development environments where they're, they've made the act of coding so good. I mean, if you grew up as, you know, I used to, good Lord, to be a geek for a minute, when you had to go on the mainframe world and look for SOC 7 errors because somebody put character data into numeric field, you know, that's how you really had to do things bare to the metal to find out what was wrong. And in coding for that, you had to account for all that kind of stuff. Well, the minute you went into any kind of integrated development environment and it took care of, you're never going to make a variable er error again. You're never going to have a memory overflow error that you can't do a garbage cleanup routine to fix it. And I, boy, I could just go into so much having been in multiple generations when they did a big new thing. It was like, man, that's going to save me hours of not only hours of time, but hours of painful time, hours of shite. And so uh, when, when I love nowadays, when not I, what I just said is it isn't that you just, let's try it and see what breaks. They almost always have, you can, you know, look at my existing code base. Oh, that's a command that's been deprecated in this new version. So you're going to have to, and they'll even, they'll either forewarn you. So you'll stop using it, or they'll tell you in your existing code voice, this is no longer acceptable. And they'll tell you the parameter string has changed. And so the act of getting something to move forward or to move backwards is actually not just let me give it a try. There's tons of assistance for how to know exactly what's wrong and how to fix it in like while you're typing you know what i mean it'll right. bring up it, it you're going to use this command and immediately comes up with like a little shadow version of here's the seven parameters that it might take and you don't have to you doesn't take all seven you don't have to leave, like leave extra commas and stuff in there but it really is amazing how 
you, you, you have to have a certain computer science feel for what's going on, but you don't have to sit there with a manual open next to you on the three manuals <laughs> open on the desktop to say exactly how is this type and what's the difference yeah. between round up, round down, and round. And, and it might be obvious from the thing, but like if there's any, there's some odd things about any statistics treatment where they take different numbers of parameters. And so you can't even like just get into the flow of everything works the same. No, it was very persnickety as, yeah. as to exactly. And, and they've fixed a lot of that where it'll prompt you to say, and if you, if you know, you can do the little help, assisted help where it's like, Oh, that's what that means. That's what it's asking for. It, I'm, I never feel at a loss in the Apple development environment, Xcode. And, and no matter what language I'm working in, no matter what, it's it's boy they put a ton of work into if you want to get a million apps on your store you have to make it easy for a million 13 year old right, kids to right. create those apps right. you know what i mean yeah. and a million 60 year old guys to, <laughs> to be get like well, burger, burger. yes it's 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 boy they've done brilliant things with xcode I, man it's the I, coolest thing. <laughs> I remember uh, you're talking about that i mean the, the pains of programming i mean i remember 11 go sub 271 and and oh, then man. oh my gosh something broke or i have to add a new line in or just uh the, you had to right. number your lines that's <laughs> okay. we just no, go, go ahead, ahead please go ahead. no no no, no. A little discussion was just online about somebody imparting the wisdom, a longtime programmer saying, you know, you don't want to number your code once to 10, because if you got to put a, another right. line in there, it, there's no such thing as 5.5. Right. You really should number it like 100, 200, 300, so that you can put things in the middle and not have to totally renumber your code and all the hazards that go with that when it's right. based on going to a certain line number. So... Just man, totally unknown <laughs> to the kids nowadays. But yes, man, exactly. I remember those days. <laughs> and you learn very quickly, and it's funny uh, because I still do that type of thinking uh, when when I leave room for expansion. <laughs> yes, if I'm numbering something, I'll do it. In ten, um, the uh, uh, the one s system I do uh, for work, we have surveys, and I I put an order flag in there because it changes something may be near the top but next month we want it moved down because it's no longer as relevant so i can easily go in and just change the flag number well i didn't number them one two three i'm number them 10 and 20 and 30 and you know, it. it's still 30 40 year old thinking with that okay exactly we're, we're getting down to time but i wanted to tell you real quick so exciting this weekend um I mentioned that uh, me and Gina are doing a podcast with Colin and another friend, uh, ghost hunting and stuff. So I'll, I'll put a link in uh, if anyone wants to go listen to it. We're, we're approaching ghost hunting. I, I say ghost hunting, but really it's paranormal. Uh, okay. And we're doing it in all aspects. We're not just going on ghost hunts. We're not just doing a podcast interviewing people. We're not just talking about Bigfoot or ghosts or something. Because believe me. <laughs> There's people that will say, yeah, ghosts exist, but Bigfoot's not real. And the Bigfoot people will go, ghosts suck. Bigfoot's <laughs> It's like, oh, please, people. So right. we got Colin, who is our researcher. We've got Ron, who's the investigator. Gina is the experiencer. And then I'm the tech guy and just general believer and in interest. So we, we're, we're doing this with a family focus and trying to get four different viewpoints on everything. So we've got episodes starting to come out. Uh, we've, we've done one where we interviewed a guy about his book. We did another one where Gina talked about her experiences, what she's seen with uh, hauntings and stuff. And Ron did a talk on the history of witches. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're really trying to get a balance and do a lot. 
Uh, so this weekend, we are going down to Beaver Creek uh, to Gretchen's Lock, which is supposedly haunted. Uh, and Interesting. The, the, okay. The thing was, we did a whole episode down by uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio. Um, but we did a whole episode talking about the history and where the legends came from, because we like to talk about legend and myth. And basically okay. what we uncovered was the whole legend and myth is a farce, that nothing like that ever happened at all. So okay. th- that led into a discussion, well, does that mean it's not haunted? Or did people believing in it create it to be haunted? Or what hmm. are they experiencing? Is it just mental? So we, we like to talk about that too. So that's what this weekend, but the cool thing is I got a GoPro. So to go with it, with that, uh, I took my own camera out and I've been working with the Raspberry Pi. I'm, I've got a, a camera set up for nighttime to take pictures. So I'm going to test it out this weekend. So just Interesting. a whole combination okay. of cool stuff that we're doing with that. That Honestly, that sounds fascinating. As you know, I'm quite the skeptic. And yet, if you're going to pursue it, that's what you want to do is so you know, capture data. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, do like, uh, it's not just, oh, the room felt cold. It's like, did you have a thermometer running? Did you have a camera yes. running? Did you have a some kind of ectoplasmic detector right. running? Yeah, yeah, I kind of have to say. It wasn't just I got talked into it. It wasn't just, well, somebody made up a legend that has no basis in fact, but it sure sounded persuasive, so right. I'm scared. You kind of want to be proof is proof. You know what I mean? Right. There's a burden of proof that goes with extraordinary claims. So That's where right. I keep pushing it. One of the things I really get irritated with some of the shows, they're like, okay, we're going to set a camera up here. And then they say, well, do you see that shadow move? And Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> and, you know, It's just like... And I'm like, okay, well, where's your EMF detector? Where's this? They set up one device at a time. And I'm like, no, you, if you set up five or six things, it's like, oh, look, at this time-stamped time, the temperature did drop five degrees. And we and thought we saw something the move. flicker, exactly. And the, the lights went go. off. And this other camera over here also caught something moving. They never catch something on more than one camera. See. So. It, you it, would think that that would be key. In other words, if you're going to have something that, like there's a flicker in the fabric of reality, yeah, multiple cameras would all catch yes, that. It's not yes. going to be, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you always get people that are skeptics going, well, that's just a bug on the camera lens. Well, it could be. If I had a second camera set up, it would help determine that. And what Re- we've, Redundancy. Yes. yes. And what we've pretty much determined is like, look, if we, we don't want to uh, – here's the other thing I had – is any data we get or any video, any pictures, we're going to put on the website in the raw form and complete. So if I have and five hours of video, yes. Exactly. Yes, we, yes. we don't want to say, hey, go to uh, two hours, 11 minutes and 43 seconds. Did you see something? that? Because then people are going, oh, yeah, I saw something. We're just right. going to put it up and see if people make comments. And if we get four or five people all saying, hey, I saw something at two hours and 11 minutes, well, okay, more That's people another saw kind something. of verification. Exactly. Yes. The plural of anecdote is not data, but putting out the actual capture is going to be something that you get multiple people not knowing when they should be looking, but what they should be looking for. If there's then a kind yep. of a correspondence of, of perception, that would be an interesting way to say, well, maybe there's something worth investigating. Okay. Okay. Right. So anyway, Very just cool. to share, right. I put links Have in. Have fun with that. That'll yeah, be cool. We're, we're going <laughs> camping. So, I mean, you know, we get all, all right. sorts of great fun out of it because we love to camp. 
Yeah. Beaver's Creek is a wonderful area. You know, the, the Weiss Ward faction used to live down there. I always like going to Yellow Springs. It's a cool, like, uh, yeah, funky yeah. artist town down there. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's very friendly with bikes. It's got all kinds of, like, art stores and donut stores and whatever else, you know, healthy food. So that that's a very interesting little oasis in the middle of otherwise kind of like, you know, uh, bad radio Ohio, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yellow Springs has a really great bookstore. I think it's a Dark Star, oh, I think okay. it's called. And they have some stuff in their sci-fi section that I've not seen anywhere else. Anywhere else. I love dedicated stores like that. There used to be a, called, a place called uh, The Stars Are Destination in Chicago that I make a pilgrimage once a year and just aisle by aisle, shelf by shelf, go through and like, here's a British import I've never seen before. Here's like, you know, I, I love places that try to be complete. And if you talk to people like, what are you reading lately? That starts like a 30 minute, well, because yes. <laughs> they really know their stuff, you know, right, so right. I, like we do. Yeah. <laughs> All and right. and uh, the one, this was before, but the one Star Wars comic I didn't have, they did have there at the one time. So Wonderful. I, I remember okay. that when I saw that. So that's always good. Yeah. And they have a cat that roams the store. So, you know, it's for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All Very right. good. All right, okay. We, we got, always a pleasure. We uh, yeah. will. Let's see. Next time. I, I don't know. We always have the list and we'll yes. catch up on the list next time. Yes. That, that, it's, uh, we did have a fun time on Friday night. I, I'm, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll, it's kind of funny. I, I'm always curious. We, we try to make it interactive, but most of the time it's us talking anyway, because we have a lot to say. Yeah. And sometimes it's people that they, they digress sometimes even more than we do. And then there's a little bit of crowd wrangling to be like, <laughs> yeah. if it was physical, then I could be like, okay, let's get back on topic, but I don't want to be cut offy when we're doing it's a, something in a zoom environment it's a it's a dilemma in a little yeah. ways you know what and, i mean and so, not all of us have fiber like you so you get too many people with low bandwidth oh it starts cutting into everything yeah kind of stuttery and yeah okay yeah. all right Great. uh have fun with you we have 11 o'clock appointments here we go all yep, right here we go we're off take care Stephen. <laughs> bye-bye <laughs>